my friend Dunks and I meet for coffee uh, semi-regularly. We get takeout because, well, we like to smoke when we have coffee and there's not really that many places you can do that anymore. So we sit on the stoop of an old crumbling sandstone church on top of a hill. We talk. You realise that you are oppositional defiant, right? So basically you will do whatever somebody wants you to do, you will do the opposite. Eventually. And whenever, if somebody says, do you agree? You go, (laughs) of course I agree. (laughs) What do you think I am? Yes, I agree. And you do everything else to demonstrate that you disagree. So when you, when everybody else pivots and turns... A an obstacle into an opportunity. opportunity. <laughs> a problem in becomes a challenge, yeah. right? Pivot. And the oppositional defiant people among us pivot in the other direction. Oh no, we're still pivoting. We're still pivoting. I'm stuck on a pivot. I've been buggered by a pivot. Yeah. I tried to, and then they. So, if once you recognise your habit of doing the opposite of what society expects mm. and your beloveds and fear that yeah. you're not going to do yeah. do you then opposition defy yourself I don't know uh, like whenever whenever people see this ring it's got a bit of blue a black stripe People will, because I look at it all the time, people yeah. will look at it and say, that, in invisible italics, that is a nice ring. I immediately have a short rush of contempt. Yeah. Well, it's like, I look at it all the time. You're telling me that it's a nice ring. <laughs> Why are you telling me that it's a nice ring? Because of course, yeah. not just even of course, but it's sublime to the point of disappearance. That's why it's there. I mean, they're wanting to share their sudden pleasure. Yeah. Which makes me anti-pivotal, anti-social, anti-something, oppositional. But to a sharp and violent degree. But do you then... Don't tell me what a nice ring it is. It's obvious I like the ring. It's on my fucking finger. It's getting better. And I always look at it. It's getting better all the time and it hasn't changed ever. Yeah. (laughs) It's still the same ring. I just love it more. But do you... So you don't hate the ring you hate the person that admires the ring I hate the moment of confirmation <laughs> As I, I know I mean I have, I have so much it's not even faith in taste if it wasn't good you'd discard it especially a ring I mean that's yeah. what a ring signifies this one this one now for me because you don't need to wear the ring right no. it's not like uh, you'll become incontinent no. or... it's not going to save me from anything it's not going to uh, repel. Oh, maybe it does. It may have some magical capabilities. Uh, yeah, universal acclaim. Yeah. Maybe the people who don't like it don't say anything. But the it's just become a thing. People go, that is a nice 
ring as though to congratulate me on a sudden discovery. Ah, uh, yeah, right. Are you good? Can you take a compliment? No. I don't know what to say. I feel like putting a band-aid over it. Or I say to them, yeah, it is it's nice. It's actually getting better now that it's a bit broken and it's sort of color, different colours. But... But it's something like, anytime that I find myself in a foreign city, and that means not in Australia, if it's sort of twilight or early in the morning, which is you're normally when people hustle to get somewhere, yeah. middle of the day is always a bit of a lull. But at those times, if I suddenly realise that I'm going in the opposite direction to everyone else on a foreign street in a foreign city, I feel calm and assured. <laughs> that my instinct is still good and that I'm still myself. <laughs> that, yes, I have, not just that I have to get away from you, but the, the hoarding of people's desires towards a concentrated point, if mine is in the opposite direction, my life is still valuable. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Whereas if, I'm, if I have to queue for something, like a Titian painting, or a baguette at some particular place, yeah. Oh, I have to leave the queue. I have to go. I can't wait. I can't standardise my experience because it's aligned with so many other people's desires. I'm repelled by that circumstance. Yeah. But if you're fighting your way through crowds of people, your way has been... There's a lot of drag, a lot of resistance because other people are all going to there. Then your faith is good. Mm. Like if you're the only person or one of two people in a cinema watching a film that you've really wanted to see. Yeah. And if the cinema is empty, you think, God, it is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because people don't like it. I've got this right. <laughs> yeah. That's a nice ring. Wherever did you get that? You're a lucky one to have found yeah. that. <laughs> so next time I see you, I want to see a little Band-Aid over that <laughs> ring. <laughs> It's across the bear, isn't it? I've, I've, I've had the opposite experience a couple of times. It's rare, but when you see something that someone has, like a crow on a t-shirt mm. or a particularly nice fedora, and normally I just go, well, you have to appreciate it for a distance. You don't want to be a fan. But two or three times I've run up to that person and said, that is a great something or other. Where did you get it? And they've looked at me with absolute contempt. Yeah. Yeah. And at first, you know, the ego feels punctured, but later... You get to think, no, that's what you do. That's what... <laughs> that was one of you. You can't greet yourself like that in the street. Well, you... you it's rec- important. You, you recognised your kind, and then you broke the covenant. Yes. <laughs> but just through pure excitement, well, naivety, yeah. or just, I don't know, some form of spastication. This... It's losing your cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. If you want to go in the other direction to what everyone else is going, and you know, credit to you, the your beloveds who are concerned about your tendency towards painting and poetry and surfing, they can't. We can't be disappointed in you. We can't expect you to be other than what you are. No. There is the very glad sense, though, that 
the, the real sense is if you don't come with us, how can we protect you? And yeah. that's sweet. Yeah. I mean, that's the sense of the caravan, right? You leave the caravan and you're going to get speared or eaten by a coyote yeah. or... Hmm. Right? Yes. Yeah. That's how you're going to make it to America. <laughs> is sticking with everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's either the hero's journey that you're on or it's the idiot's journey. How can we look after you when you, you're running away from us? Yeah. Uh, we want to help you, but you're not helping yourself. Yeah. But then can't, you, can't you see that everybody's going that way? Yeah, but once you're in the caravan, then it's sort of... Uh, boredom settles over you. Mm. I mean, a life without any risk. <coughs> and a fully insured life. This is sort of death. It made me think of that um, Buster Scraggs, or whatever it's called. You know, the little story about the... Was that a Prime Minister? Yeah, it was. Wow. With his, with his uh, federal government lanyard on as yeah. well. I thought exactly the same thing. <laughs> Scamo. He could make money out of that. He could do celebrity appearances and and not shake people's hands. Um, this the idiots. Where do. there's the caravan and the dog runs off and the she goes to get the dog back. Is this a Nicole Kidman film? No, no, you've seen it. Oh. Cohen Brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. And then old mate goes to get her back because it's she's got straight off straight away. And he feigns death yes. in order to kill the last combatant. Yes. And she thinks he's died, so she shoots herself. As per the instruction that as he gave per, her. Yeah. But then he hops up and kills the last native. Yeah. Goes over to her. Mm. And she hadn't realised that it was still part of the battle. Mm. And what is the consoling phrase that he uses? He says something to her lifeless body. And it's very slight. It's like, hey, you poor thing. Or it's, it's very sort of flippant. Yeah. Like, we tried, failed, but I have to survive now. Yeah. So I'm not going to stay here and sentimentalise your death. The caravan keeps going. The caravan keeps going. We did tell you not to hop off. <laughs> his, his very brief warning of her is, is charming yeah. or instructive. Yeah. Yeah. We tried. It didn't work. The caravan keeps going. How long ago was it that you and I hopped off the caravan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and is it even all right to ask permission to rejoin it? <clears throat> well, well, I remember the last time I worked in the service industries in this town. Yeah. It was at the Tasmanian Coffee Races. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was then planning to do a PhD in Melbourne and this job was instrumental in getting me to Melbourne and to pay a bond Uh and to begin to pay rent and to begin uh, this advanced superstructure of being and becoming but also employability and I so disliked the experience of serving people in a sort of middle class suburb in a middle class cul-de-sac in a middle class shopping centre that I would stare at the cigarettes that I was having every hour and think these things are supposed to kill you 
Yeah. How long is it going to take? <laughs> Even though I was amb- ambitious and had a forward-thinking plan mm. and all the structures were... The actual being of the moment of... I'm in hospitality, mm. I'm having another five-minute cigarette break and life is unbearable. Mm. Mm. And the consolation of the future promise of greatness at the moment... Yeah. But isn't... People go to cafes, right? Like, they didn't used to in this town and this country. They didn't used to go to cafes, right? But now everybody's going to cafes all the time. And I think... Semi-permanently. Semi-permanently cafeing. I think it's because... We, the petit bourgeois, want to believe that we are affluent enough to have servants but we can't afford them in our house mm. Mm. and there's a whole bunch of you know the unions screwed that anyway mm. but we can afford them an hour or two or three a day mm. little servants part time servants that yeah. will make the food take away the plates give us a fresh knife Yes. Uh, make the coffee, smile, maybe even, you know, look a bit sexy. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Somebody else is doing the dishes, somebody else is cooking the meals. Yeah. All the... we have to do is give them money at the end. And not much money. Not much. In fact, it's not just affordable, it's a scream. It's like $4.50 and you've taken care of an hour and a half of my otherwise completely vacuous day. Yeah. It's the tinkle of industry is reassuring and the bubble of chatter mm. while you're in there. Mm. But I think also just the ritual. I mean, what else are you going to do with a day? It does literally take care of an hour. The ritual of ordering, sitting, tearing the head off a stick of sugar, yeah. stirring, yeah. looking around, feeling self-satisfied because you've mastered the art of this. Knowing which one to order, <laughs> knowing how to drink it. Yeah, yeah you, you just sort of consume the erotic potential of mm. the other people that are in there maybe mm. or just of interest you have an interesting face yeah. those are interesting hands that's I'm a not ni- sure people are that curious and attentive though yeah. that's a nice ring <laughs> the touch touch and commerce like any boss will tell you in any hospitality the most important thing is greeting people mm. looking them in the eye and just giving that human contact for free there you go there's a freebie mm. it's not a scone it's your existence is confirmed with a look. Small business people thrive on that. You are here with us. You are our customer, yeah. and we love it. Yeah. Come back tomorrow. Yeah. Spend your five with us. But have you ever had the experience of being attracted suddenly to the person that you're exchanging money with, yeah. and deliberately sort of putting your index finger in their palm as you retrieve the change? And so then you're taking something a little bit extra. Yeah. You're communicating something, I think you're a little bit hot, mm. or I haven't touched anyone in a long time, do you mind if I exploit this situation by getting a bit of extra touch from you? Ten years ago, you might have got half a look out of someone, like, mm. oh, what just happened? Mm. That was a bit erotic, almost, mm. or you just took something that I didn't offer, or you're taking the piss, or, yeah. oh, that was nice. Yeah. Now... I think you probably get tasered. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, the COVID has taken care of that, well, you know. Yeah, you don't have to touch. Well, don't don't use money for starters. Just use your card. Uh, and hopefully, everybody sanitised their hands before there was any interaction. I know that when I worked in a shoe shop, I would have these repeat customers, and some of them were just repeat trier honorers, who would come in for the satisfaction of me handling a shoe in their foot. Absolutely. What better way, if you've got an extra 18 minutes at lunch, yeah. what better way than to sort of have some German leather, virgin German leather settled on your foot? by a very sort of polite and attentive young man. Yeah. Who may or may not be up for a flirt as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, is a, it is an experience you'd want to repeat. And it's, there's a, um, what it, you know, the, I'm kneeling mm. in front of them. I'm mm. kneeling. I'm least I'm on one mm. knee. There is a sort of gesture of proposal there. But also of, uh, what is it? It's a kind of grace in it of serving someone, yeah. of being at their service yeah. in a way that no one is demeaned. And it's a part of the body that we normally don't, is not, often not on show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking a risk by showing you my foot. You're mm. meeting me halfway. But it is, the, the shopping is very sensual. You don't just go out and think I just need to blow 60 bucks or of course I want the novelty of a new thing to make me feel novel for 24 hours or I can worship this thing on my mantelpiece. But it's feeling things, like mm. feeling cotton, feeling mm. leather, feeling mm. fake fur. You're not allowed to do any of this anymore. Touching sort of wooden things, glass things, steel yeah. things. But they really have signs up in shops, I've seen them. Do not handle something until you're ready to buy it and can you place it barcode up so that the teller can scan it easily mm-hmm. yeah. and don't don't get too close mm. to the counter <laughs> there's a guy we might as well call him Sid Einfeld an old Jewish storekeeper that was in the old Bondi Junction mm. just near the train station and it was a camping and disposal store of the old kind that just doesn't exist anymore and it had been there since I was a kid since the 80s but when I was no longer a kid and in my 20s and I was able to visit it with my own pocket full of money I'd go in there and it was very dark and you could just smell that there was lots of good old stuff in there that wanted rummaging Mm. and the disposals were in the further corner and there were just piles of old military leather boots that I could try seven or eight pairs on or just touch or just marvel at. Yeah. Who wore this? Were they killed in these boots? Where have these boots been? Just the glory of old stuff that was getting harder and harder to find. The shopkeeper, Sid Einfeld, was an old Jewish storekeeper who had rituals. And the ritual is something like, you come into my store, I say hello, you say hello, I say, can I help you? And you say, yes, sir, I would appreciate your help very much no matter what your intentions were but because I was a greedy little no I didn't understand yeah I would always just race up the back and start fooling with the boots and he'd come up behind me and have to say good afternoon sir can I help you and when I said something like no thanks I'm just having a look around I was ejected yeah 
from his shop with yells and screams and rants because I think he put up with 25 years of wasps yeah. coming in and perving on his stuff yeah. and just wanting to have a bit of a poke at the old world, old Europe disposals. Mm. But I had blasphemed yeah. the ritual. I was, he would have probably let me poke around the boots if I had just said, please, sir, can you show me towards your pile of old boots? I would love to regard and handle and perhaps purchase them. Then I'm sure he would have given me extravagant hospitality. You, you're not honouring the transaction, are you? Like, you know, there's like the D- Damascians and the Carthaginians, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Approach each other across the sand hills, mm. and then one side put their stuff down first, their wares that they want to trade, mm. and then they scurry back over the hill, mm. and it's down there in the valley, and then the other side scurry over the sand hill down into the valley. And they look at the stuff, and then they lay down their stuff as an offer that they feel is like of reasonable yeah. exchange, like tight pants, <laughs> a nice tie. <laughs> Where did you get a that? Shirt. I like that ring. <laughs> and then they scurry away with the first tribe's stuff, and the first tribe come down, look at the stuff they've got, and based on whether they think it's a fair exchange or whether they think they've been duped they will either go back home and have a nice time or they will go to war yeah yeah and so a trading. Sid lays down his stuff and you piss on it or I just start <laughs> noisily knocking it you know like just shuffling <laughs> so either he found me particularly offensive but I suspect that he had a reservoir emotional bad discharge that he'd been dissed by so many customers for so long that when I finally again did it and he offered his help and I just brushed him off he was emotional he shouted at me get out get out of my shop (laughs) and I was I was then really offended I was like what if I I love your shop it's the only fucking shop I love anymore in all of New South Wales (laughs) And he virtually, with his voice, he had banned me for coming in. It wasn't just get out today. Yeah. It was, don't you come back. This is the end of the transaction. Yeah. And so for years, the next three or four years when I'd catch the bus, I'd look longingly at the darkened doorway of the disposals store. Never a customer in there. Yeah. And he held out for probably his working life, covering the rent. And then... About 10 years ago, I went past it on the bus and it was immaculate storefront glass, well lit. Yeah. I think a salon of some kind. Some sort of hairdresser or... Pilates studio. Pilates studio. And cafe. And I didn't have my Pilates pants. No. It's supposed to be good for you, though. Mm, good for your gut muscles. <laughs> <laughs>